thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. Hey, we have some friends uh, here. We actually have a lot of friends here, hopefully. <laughs> a lot of friends and no enemies, but uh, I don't know. Uh, anyway, Kathy and Charlie, sorry, um, have a ministry in, in uh, New Ipswich, New Hampshire, Gates of Recovery. And I just asked them to come up and share some testimonies for a few minutes of what God's doing in their group and just share a little bit. Come on up, you guys. Let's welcome them here in the house. Who wants to share first? I am? Okay. Oh, this is amazing. <laughs> I have a verse that I wanted to share, but um, Charlie and I are pastors, and Lynn and Daryl have had so much to speak into our lives, the mother and father of this house. And I just want to thank you all for praying, because a lot of you know what we're doing, and I'm so touched this morning, because you guys know what treasure is, don't you? You know what treasure is, and you know how to pray for treasure. And for years, Charlie and I have been praying, Lord, send us the broken, the hurting, and the addicted. And he has done that. And we love them. And we want you to know they're the treasures that you guys help us pray for. We're just so blessed by that. But Charlie and I have, um, a, it's called Gates Recovery Center. We did have a church for six years. And then last year, the Lord gave us specific directions to choose between the church or the recovery center. And it's it was, all the church. It's all the church. <laughs> but for some reason, he wants us to concentrate. It was a no-brainer. We talked to people on our board, and they were saying, this makes total sense that your passion is with recovery. And it has. I mean, we prayed for our son for 15 years, and God gave us a model and a method. And we've been to Bulgaria to share our model and um, we're on the governor's committee in New Hampshire, and we're, um, we're bringing hope there, and we're working with the governor's office, and um, we're training New Hampshire's and uh, training pastors and churches in New Hampshire with this model and just what God has showed us. It isn't anything like that we're doing. It's what God shared with us, and what God shared with us is that we can pray people free. That's a really big thing because... People that are stuck don't think they can ever be free. But the good news is we know they can be free. And so we pray for them to be free. We, it's not just prayer, because we're spirit, soul, and body. And when our son was going through addiction, our church rallied around with prayer. And so that was great, because prayer is key, right? Okay, what about the soul, where all the wounds were? So that's where we're gold diggers. We're in there trying with Holy Spirit to get to the roots of things, the things that keep people bound, and we all have them, right? Not people that just struggle with any kind of addiction. We all have them, and we want to be free. So we walk with them, and then if they need resources, they need a certain rehab to fit their needs, they need help with families, they need inner healing prayer, whatever it is they need, we're there for them. We now have nine recovery coaches that are certified. Well, I'm certified, and the other ones are on their way for certification, and then us two as pastors. So when we go to court with people, the judges say, you're a pastor and a CRSW? Okay, 
I like that. <laughs> or, you know, people, we, we just have favor because we carry these titles. We've um, studied to become a little bit more knowledgeable as a church. And we do have Recovery Church on Tuesday nights, too. So that's really great. Um, Serena and Zach come by once a month and share worship with us along with a bunch of other churches. And we have testimony time. And then we have support groups. On Monday nights, we do life classes. So we'll have anything from recovering your health or financial or um, grief classes, whatever they are. And then the whole community's involved in that. And then also... Um, we have a, a whole row back there of amazing treasures, and Christina and Ben are two of our nine recovery coaches, and they're pretty amazing, I'll tell you. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't know Daryl was going to say, will you speak a little bit? And we're like, well, yeah, I guess. But we happen to bring a bunch of our friends and treasures and beautiful people and also, my nephew, Ben, he attends here. I don't know if you know Ben and Jesse and their three kids back there. You know, I just, I have family here. But you know what? You guys are family, and Daryl and Lynn are family. They, they ordained us as ordained pastors and licensed us, and they sent us into our calling. And, and um, our calling is to work with people and to love people. You know, people say, well, what is your uh, recovery rate or, or, or your rate, rate of yeah, your success. What is your success rate? That was the word. See, that's why I love this guy. What's your success rate at Gates Recovery Center? And I tell them 100%. And they're like, oh, you know, because they have a mindset, you know, you have to get off drugs and then that's your success. No, our, our goal is to show them the love of Jesus. Our goal is to show them who their identity really is. So it's 100%. When they come in, we love them. We hug them. We tell them, you are loved by God. Did you know that? Did you know you're a precious creation of his? And you might have some dirt and overburden right now, but we're going to mine that, like Kathy said. We're going to get down to that gold, get down to that treasure. So that's our job. So it's 100% successful. And you, in your ministry, in your household, you can be 100% successful too. Just love people and show them that they're loved by God. Show them who their true identity is. So that's all we really do. We, they come in the doors. Some of them, believe me, they're drunk, they're high, or they're struggling. They're still, and we just love them. We just hug them, love them. You're loved. We don't try to save them again if they're already saved, but we certainly do tell them about the love of Jesus, and he wants to be in relationship with them. So, I mean, it's, it's what you have here. It's what you carry here is what we bring there. You guys are an extension of that, or we're an extension of you. So I just thank you guys for being here, and we can come here and get refreshed and get, uh, you know, built up and taught, and it's just a blessing to be here, and we come occasionally. We don't come every Sunday, but we're free to come now on Sundays, and it's just beautiful. It's wonderful. What you guys carry here, bring it home, bring it to your work, bring it in your everyday life. It's a beautiful thing. It's good news. It's not a heavy, hard news that we carry. It's good news. It's precious. It's beautiful. It's easy. It's light. So remember that. So thank you. Can I just read this verse? Um, this is our verse from our life mission about seven years now. Walk out of the gates, get going, get the road ready for people, build the highway, get at it, clear the debris, hoist a high flag, 
a signal to all the people. That's the message, and that's our verse, and that's what we're doing. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you, you guys. We love you. Oh, my gosh. Wow, it's 10 of... It, I don't have time to even really share a message today. I, I need inner healing, Joyce. I really do. I'm, I'm like, life is falling apart. I, I feel like... Um, I feel like possibly this is one of the most gracious churches that I've ever pastored. Because it's the only one, but I mean, <laughs> it's. <laughs> I tell you, I was I was talking with uh, a couple this morning and. And they were talking about how excited their toddler gets every time they pull into the driveway here at church. And that they just start getting jacked to come here. And it brought back some memories to me of, of our daughter, that it, Sari. And we used to pull up into the entrance of Lomar Park. And as soon as we'd come around that corner, I'd look in my rear mirror. And she'd be buckled in her car seat. And her feet would just start kicking like crazy in excitement to get into the house of the Lord. And every week that we have done this, there's an excitement that fills our heart to be together with all of you. I know last week we had some bad weather and all that and understand the difficulty of getting here. Some of you, I mean, we have people come from Rhode Island, Maine. We've got people from Rhode Island today and people from Maine that come frequently. David and Jean drive a long way to get here. Some of you come through a lot of traffic to get here, and we're just blessed to be ministering to you guys. And our hearts, truly, for New England region is that New England would experience the kindness and the goodness and the mercy and the love of God. And we foster that in this house. We just want people to feel loved, valued, and accepted. Uh, it's why we demolish strongholds. And every argument and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, because the knowledge of God is good knowledge. And Jesus, when he came to this earth, there was a lot of bad knowledge about God. People had a view of God that was pretty, pretty negative in a lot of instances, you know. And even Jesus' disciples, they're walking along the road one day, and his disciples say, you know, they, they see Capernaum as they're coming near Capernaum, and his disciples say, let us call down fire and brimstone right now to consume Capernaum because they rejected you. Fire and brimstone. Like, where'd they get that idea from? And it's like Jesus just looked at him and says, you guys don't know what spirit you're of. It's the wrong one. My Father is one of mercy and grace and love. And I think, you know, if you look at the life of Jesus, you see that he got himself into trouble sometimes. As a matter of fact, even his own family, there's a recording in Mark 
that his own family thought that he had lost his mind. And they came to the house that he was teaching at to take him away. Thought he'd lost his mind. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? And I just feel like he, he came along into a culture that had a misunderstanding of the knowledge of God. And he, he basically came into that culture and says, you don't understand my, my dad. My dad is good. He's not capable of doing anything bad. He only has good in mind. He has your good in mind, my good in mind, and our good in mind. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's not watching us so that when we trip up, we get the, the rod of wrath. But he's watching us so that when we trip up, we get the arms of his love. And he loves us and calls us into his heart deeper and deeper. And the more I experience that heart of God and the more I experience the love of God, the more I realize I've carried some false ideas about him over time. And the more I realize I want to know him for who he is. I want to know him for who he really is. I want to know that kind of goodness because honestly, I consider myself a pretty good dad. Not perfect, but a pretty good dad. But he's better. He is better. He is gooder. And to know that goodness is just, it's all I really yearn for us as a church, is to keep coming into the goodness of God. Might sound crazy. I feel like Paul, you know, Paul is the one who talked about the gospel of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. And that guy, that poor guy, he got in a lot of trouble. You know, every, it, says, it says that every village that he went to, they sought to kill him. No, I don't know about you, but that's trouble. And he wasn't looking for trouble. He was just trying to explain that God's grace is now given to the Gentiles. He was just trying to like open them up to the goodness of the Father. To say now, now His grace is not just here with the Jews, but now it's with the Gentiles. And they couldn't get that kind of goodness. They got angry and they wanted to kill Him because of that message. I feel like the more that I find the goodness of God and the love of his heart, the less angry I become. I think the testimony of this can be found in my wife. Because I, I used to be really angry a lot. It, we were talking to Paul and Leslie earlier, elders here at the church, and they've been coming here for 26 years. And they probably remember some of my angry sermons. And it's like, My heart's desire, as is probably most of yours, is to know Father the way Jesus knows Him. Philippians says to have the same mind that was found in Christ Jesus. Corinthians 2 says, but 
He who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ knows the Father. Sees that he's good, loving. Anybody in here ever make a mistake? Some of you are just chronic liars, and you probably wouldn't raise your hand even if the heavens broke open, but, you know, it's like, aren't, aren't you thankful that God loves us even when we make mistakes? Aren't you thankful for His grace? I'm just going to close with this last story. I was thinking about this during worship this morning about Jonah, who is a prophet of God, you know. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach. I'm just going to share the story because there's a lot of preaching material in Jonah. Jonah, who's a prophet of God, and God tells him to go to the city of Nineveh because the city of Nineveh had become so wicked and so bad that, that the sin was reaching uh, the report of heaven. And God said, I want you to go to Nineveh and I want you to preach. And you know the story, Jonah said, no way am I going to Nineveh. Those people deserve destruction. But if I go to Nineveh, you're surely going to have grace and mercy on them. Now, this is a very interesting story because this prophet knew the real character of God. And I think for all of Israel, that's a unique thing for an old covenant prophet to have this true testimony of the Lord in his day. Ninevites were Gentiles. As far as the Hebrews concerned, they deserved, they deserved to be destroyed. God says, go. I want you to go. Jonah says, no, gets on a boat. You know the story. The storm comes. They throw him over the sea. A big fish swallows him. Jonah's in the belly of the whale for three fish, not whale, in the belly of the fish. I don't know. It was a supernatural fish. I have no idea. There could have been a couch in there and a chair and a a stove for all I know, you know, I, I don't know, but he gets swallowed up and he's in there for three days and then that fish spits him up on the shore of Nineveh and he's like, is this a hint, God? <laughs> and he walks into that city and within a short period of time, the entire city repents and accepts the love of God. Whew. It's just love works really well. And I, for myself, anger doesn't look good on me. I've seen angry people, and it doesn't look good on them either. But love really works well, and it looks good on all of us. And it's why the Lord says to love one another. Because it's a better garment than the opposite. Let's all stand up together. <clears throat> I'm going to pray uh, just a prayer over you guys' blessing. We'll have the prayer team come up in just a moment.
So if they could get ready, that would be great. Father, I just want to, oh, I just want to thank you, God, for your incredible love and your incredible goodness. And I want to thank you, God, that you have revealed yourself to us in these days as a God who will go the extra mile to find someone lost, to help someone in trouble. And Lord, we have people all around our communities, no matter what community we come from, there are people that are hurting and they're suffering and they have, they have tragic and trauma and uh, grief and things going on in their lives. Some of them are racked with pain in their beds. They can hardly move. Some are sick. Some are in need of a greater physician than the ones that they have. Open our eyes to see them. Open our ear, eyes to hear where they are and who they are. Lead us, God, and direct us in your ways and in your paths. I pray for this house, Lord. I pray a blessing over every single person in this room whether they're visiting or whether they're here regularly, I pray that your blessing would rest upon every single one of us in this house and that our eyes would continually be open to the greatness of who you are, to the beauty of your glory, to the revelation, to the revelation of the magnificent goodness of God. I just wonder if we could sing. This is gonna. This is such an old chorus, but it just came to my mind as I was standing here talking. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, O my soul. Rejoice, take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let me be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Let's just spend a moment and just love on Jesus right now. Just bless him with your own words, with your own heart. Just magnify the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I'm so thankful for who you are, God. Thank you for your goodness and your mercy extended to every generation. You keep reaching more and more and more. We prophesy right now for freedom to come over this region and for freedom to come over New England. We prophesy the freedom and the goodness and the grace of God to invade our territory and our land. We ask God that heaven would open up and there would be an exposure of you, an exposure of who you are and your goodness 
to expose the deeds of darkness and to open up the hearts of your light, to pull people out of darkness and bring them into your marvelous light. Lord, we just release your power and your goodness and your glory over this land. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Thank you.